Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman, and I'm your host. My guest today is a theater singer and actor turned entrepreneur. As a content marketing coach, he helps coaches, consultants, and solopreneurs take the mystery out of marketing their business. He is dedicated to helping his clients increase their leads and sales with easy-to-implement content creation and list-building strategies. Welcome, Rob Fortier. Hello and welcome, Rob. I'm excited to have you here. I am super excited to be here as well. Thank you so much for having me today. I really look forward to this conversation because there we're going to be in for a wild ride. <laughs> so let's just start off. Why don't you share with people where you're from, where you're based and what's your business? Sure. So I am um, originally from Massachusetts, but I am in New York City now. I've been here for 25 years, so I'm officially a New Yorker, so I qualify. And I am a content marketing coach. So I like to work with coaches, solopreneurs, consultants to help them really take the mystery out of marketing their business. People make it really complicated and you can boil it down to a few simple points. So I like to help them figure out how to provide content to the world, get more leads and grow their business. Just try to make it easier and not so do everything. No, do a couple things. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And just, you need to know what those what those couple of things are <laughs> and how to do yes. them well. So yes. yeah, great. That's fabulous. So it's obviously totally relevant <laughs> to our listeners. And uh, we're going to dive into that in a, in a little bit. But I'm obviously curious, and you knew I was going to ask this. It, okay, is that, how did you stumble into that? And how, when you look at, when you look back at when you left school or when you were at school thing and, still, and thought of what you wanted to do with your life, Mm-hmm. Was there already an element there that you might not have recognized at the time? And how has that played out? You know, that that's a really, how much time do we have? Because this could take a while. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that in school, I knew it was going to end up here, but I have used all the things I have learned from school and along the way to get me to where I am. So um, originally I went to school for theater. I performed for many years as a musical theater actor. I like to tell people that I could do dancing for actors. I was not a dancer, but I was a singer and an actor. And I reached a point where I loved the performing, but no longer enjoyed the lifestyle. I having to get up at six in the morning to go to an audition, to stand in line outside. Like I, I just grew tired of that. So I started looking for other opportunities and I got a job working for an ad agency for a while. I used to love advertising as a kid. Like it would be one of those things I would memorize commercials and jingles and people would be like, Hey, what's this? What's, what's a good commercial this week? Uh, we actually did a, a project in sixth grade on propaganda and just, we had to do talk about commercials and I could just write them down without even having to watch like right from beginning to end to get the whole thing, which was a very strange skill to have in sixth grade. So <laughs> advertising, <laughs> so it's always been sort of an interest. So I worked in an ad agency for a year, kind of a low level data entry job just to see what it was like. And then I had the opportunity to sort of get back into theater what on the business side of it. Mm. I worked in um, theater box office for many years in New York. And that was great because I didn't have to get up at 6am to to an audition, but I had access to going to shows. I got to work with theater people that I enjoyed. And if you know any theater people, anybody, you or anybody listening to this, you know, they're a special kind of people. They're lovely and amazing and fun to hang out with. So that was really wonderful. But, you know, there's not a lot of creativity in working in a box office. It's like you have a show, you sell tickets, you show people seats, they give you money, give them a ticket. So... 
I came up with this crazy idea to start a greeting card company. I had sort of been frustrated with not being able to find cards that I liked in the world. So I started my own company. There's a very low barrier to entry to that. All you need is a couple of ideas and a printer and you can make them at home. And uh, that's how I started. And it sort of started to take off working on it year to year. I started doing a couple of trade shows in New York. They have um, the National Stationery Show and some other shows. And I started getting some traction and I started working with sales reps who were repping my stuff around the country. And one of them I became really good friends with. And she she kind of walked into my booths and said, I'm going to be one of your new sales reps. I'm like, okay, who are you? Like, <laughs> But that was the start of a very long lasting to this day. I talked to her, you know, at least once a month, uh, friendship. And as we were working together, we discovered that we were in the middle of this industry of wonderfully talented people, artists, designers, you know, so much creativity, but so many people who wanted to get into the business aspect had no clue on how to run a business, like not even the first thing. They thought they were going to walk into this trade show, slap up some things, and they'd walk away a millionaire. And so many of them were so disappointed. I was like that the first year. I was like, this is going to be great. And I think I walked, I, I didn't even pay for like half of my booth with the orders I sold. It was, it was very disappointing. Um, so we started seeing this gap. And so we're like, okay, how do we help these people? So we actually sat down and wrote a book about working with sales reps, because that was a big question that both of us kept getting. And then we wrote a follow-up on how to do trade shows. And, you know, we, we started getting more and more inquiries about like, I want to work with you. How do I help? How can you help me? What can we do together? So we started putting together little mini programs. Um, I'm going to date myself here back doing teleseminars before everyone did webinars before that really existed. So on the phone, you know, we do a little call and people would get sign in and listen, or they'd get a recording afterwards, you know, teaching them things about how to put a, a line, a cohesive line of cards together, how to sort of target what buyers are looking for, how to appeal to them, uh, those kinds of things to make their, what they did more sellable. So we started doing in increments and that led to people wanting to coach with the two of us uh, privately and it also led to speaking gigs. We were hired by several trade shows to come in and do presentations to their exhibitors or to attendees. And it was kind of like this, wait, how did I how did I go from this to this? But I started drawing on all the skills I had learned like in school, like with creativity and performing. I mean, getting on a stage or even doing a teleseminar or a webinar, that, that's a performance. So I was Absolutely. like, this is like, yeah, this is this cool marriage of like, okay, business things that are fun and performing that I love and then helping people like, okay, it's all this great stuff mishmashed together. So it was a very sort of odd place to sort of land at. And I realized that, okay, this is the path I really want to go on. So I ended up shutting down the greeting card company going to that. And then it sort of kept morphing. You know, I, I decided, okay, I should probably get some training to really learn how to actually coach people rather than just sort of winging it, which is what <laughs> I was doing most of the time. Uh, so I went back and got a certificate in coaching with a focus on working with creative people. And that was lovely until I figured out that a lot of people who are creatives don't necessarily have the finances to hire a coach in the way I wanted to. I'm sure you get a lot of people who need help and they're like, you want to get what you want me to pay you? Oh, that's a different story. <laughs> so I sort of morphed my idea of working with, you know, young creative people into working with people who are solopreneurs or, or just the, or coaches themselves, people who, again, were really great at something, but didn't know how to put the business people together. And as I 
expanded that a little bit, then I started to see the opportunities for people who had a real need and also willing to invest in their business uh, to pay for the help that they needed and to get you know further along down the path without having to wait so long or without having to just kind of wonder, oh, how do I make this happen? I don't, I, I don't know. So that was a really eye-opening thing for me to go from just creative people to more people with a, a little bit of business mindset, but maybe not quite all the tools in their tool basket mm. to make it work. That's so, that's interesting. That's really, and the reason I was giggling so loud was, was because when I first started getting away from being creative myself and make flamenco dresses for dancers, right, to my, uh, my first direction was looking for people who were out to start a sewing business, right? And mm. so a very similar kind of shift in that sense that I looked at, because I'd been like where they, where they want to go and there was the sense of, Oh, I know what you need, right? But it wasn't what they felt they needed, right? There was literally that. Oh, I just need a better fabric supplier, and I'm like, well, no, <laughs> you need to, you know, you <laughs> need to look like a little bit more below the surface to uncover where the real challenge is. And and one Absolutely. thing that I really found, and I would I would be curious to hear whether that's your experience too, that creative people. And that sewing and anybody who's any sort of craft with any kind of crafty, arty sort of thing, they often want to start a business, not really because they want to serve other people. They want to do their creative thing all day, every day. Yes. Right. And, that, and so yeah. that's where this comes in. And then no, and I was guilty as charged when I started my sewing business initially, I was like totally in that bucket. Right. And, and thought, Oh, what better way of being able to sew all day, every day is then make it a business and so for other people. Right. And it took a while to recognize, well, actually, you know, running a business, there's a few other things required, right? And most yes. of the time when people are in that space still, they're not going to hire a coach because mm -hmm. they don't even give themselves permission to take this thing seriously enough to invest at that level, right? So it's yeah. just where somebody's at doesn't mean they never get there. It just means that when they're at this place, that service isn't for them, right? They're, they, like you said, they're just not, they're not ready for it. I mean, like, you know, I can even say I'm guilty too of when I started my company, I was like, I'm going to make stuff and then people will just buy it. It's like, uh, -uh <laughs> there's a whole bunch of other steps in between that needs to happen. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is. If nobody knows that you exist, uh, you can't make any money. You can't sell a product. And, and, and to something or part of our discussion about earlier, we were having for the call about, you know, programs that promise, you know, this, that, and the other thing, it, you have to realize that there's, yes, that's part of the process, but there's a whole lot of other steps in every business. And just, I make, I, I do my X, Y, Z, and then I check my bank account and it's grown exponentially. And you have to have, you know, you have to have an interest in, in, in running a business, even if you don't do, you know, you can't do everything in your business. So, you know, even people who are solopreneurs sometimes have a, a virtual assistant or other people to help them, but you have to understand the process of what's happening. You can't just say, okay, I'm just going to keep making stuff and you just let me know when you sell some things, I'll, I'll be here waiting kind of thing. You, you have to get, you have to have an interest in that process, even if you don't 
learn it all or do it all yourself. You have to, it has to be, you know, it has to, has to spark some joy in you too, to want to know some of those things. Like I am sure, you know, with you with tech people, like, like I'm not a techie at all, but I have an interest in it. So I like to get in and futz around. And even if I can't finish it all myself, I want to know what's happening. I want to know the process. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of solopreneur or entrepreneurial people, the ones that have that awesome. are the ones successful, you know, they, cause they, they're interested that's so true, right? And I always call it fear-based outsourcing when people want to outsource because it sounds all grown up and businessy, but it's actually just hiding and not wanting to deal with it, right? And yeah. especially when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your sales and marketing, and when it comes to your systems and tech, I think you need to be a business owner and take responsibility and know enough so that you can be a good client for somebody. Right. And not yep. get ripped yeah. off in the process. So definitely. Right. So because how you did definitely... you go? Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say it could definitely be taken advantage of by somebody if, if you just give them everything without knowing what they're actually doing. They could bill you for hundreds of hours where they're really not being very productive. So uh, that's part of it too, is watching is minding your own money. That's a whole whole other topic we could talk about for hours. Yeah, and be a business owner and really take responsibility for it, right? So, so, okay, so that, I mean, I love that. I love it when all your experience and the different interests and talents, when you find that thing where you can bring literally everything to the table and there's nothing like, oh, I can be good at this, but I need to kind of bury my creative side or I can be full out creative, but my rational mind doesn't get satisfied. You know, it's lovely when it comes all together. Right. So what what was the night? It seems to be kind of you kind of found your little like, oh, okay, this sits really nicely. But you've narrowed down further than that now, haven't you? I have, you know, even when I got to this side of the the business, I was doing a lot of different things. I was, I still have a handful of people I do social media programming for. So that's kind of where I'm like, I'm going to be, this would would be another great marriage of let's put in social media. And I loved learning about it, but I realized that I don't want to be someone's voice all the time on social media. Like I want to help them to say, okay, here's some ideas. Let's brainstorm. Let's put together some stuff. I'll help you a little bit, but then you take it and run off with it. So doing everything for somebody like that was not satisfying because it, well, I shouldn't say that. It was very satisfying when the client just said, yeah, do whatever you want. Um, Mm. The ones that were like, "Mm, I don't really like this. Can we do this? It's like, well, couldn't you have given me some of those ideas before I spent a whole lot of hours working on this? I couldn't have started there. So it really then sort of, you know, where I am now with people is really focusing on, you know, some social media, but the content of, you know, what they put out with the subscribers, you know, I sort of feel like for a lot of people, especially in the beginning, your email list is the base of your business, right? I've talked to so many business people, and listen to so many podcasts where they've asked people, if you could go back and do one thing over again, what would you do differently? And they're like, oh my gosh, I would have started building my email list a lot sooner. Because, you know, once you get people into your community, you can nurture a relationship with them. You can hold them close to your heart and give them valuable content and make them loyal fans. Whereas in social media, you know, every other week, one of those platforms is changing the algorithm and you got a hundred million views last week. And then this week you had three and you know what? You can't talk to those people anymore if they're not watching your stuff, but if they're on their email list, you can keep talking to them. 
So that's where I really saw the gap of, okay, there's a million shiny object marketing things like what's new this week? What can I do? What's great? But I feel like so much of it always has to come back to building an audience through an email list and learning to talk to them. It's not That's just about. The part. That's the part, right? I want to yeah. really dive into that because I think most people kind of understand. I mean, I get it like, like from the sort of a lot of people come over, I, I, I kind of need an email list, don't I? Right. So there's like everybody kind of has heard you're supposed to have an email list. Right. I did. I did video. I did a video on that a while ago and I called it like play in somebody else's backyard all you want, but just don't build your house there. Right. So, you know, use social media, but don't fully rely on it because you're going to be in trouble. You know, your account can get hacked. You know, the algorithm changes, you know, and we've seen it all. Like, it's not that it's kind of that I'm making up (laughs) scary scenarios. It's all happening. No, no. So people kind of tend to know, well, I'm supposed to have an email list. Now what? Now what? Yes. So if you you could, if you could give like three tips, what would you say to somebody? the first thing I would say is in building your email list is, is build it cleanly. And by that mean way, I mean, is don't just meet people and stick them on your email list because you met them at an event or you talked to them on the phone, like ask them, especially, you know, in Europe, there are all kinds of rules about, you know, who you can email and why you need permission. Um, United States, we have the anti-spam act. So ask people, get their permission, say, don't just put them on your list. That drives me nuts. I used to go to networking events when we were doing stuff in person before COVID and I get home from an event and I would be like getting emails from like three or four people who I had just met. I'm like, I I don't want to hear from you like that. Like let's have a (laughs) chat or let's have coffee or something, but you don't even know me <laughs> like this little forward in our relationship. So, so that's one big thing. But the second thing I would say is, is for when you start getting people on your list, look at it as a conversation, as, as you would sit down and have coffee with somebody developing a relationship. You know, I hear a lot of folks say, well, I don't want to email this too often because people will be annoyed and blah, blah, blah. They signed up for it, which is the other advantage of having them signed up. They volunteered to be on your list. So that means they want to hear from you. They want you to share your knowledge. They want valuable content. They want steps that they can take. So think of it as a conversation and nurturing that relationship. You can add, you can do tips, you can do teaching, you can do inspiration, you can do all kinds of stuff. So look at it that way, as opposed to like, oh, I'm bothering people. It's like, no, you're enhancing their life by adding value to it with your emails. And I would say the third thing about it is to be consistent. Um, If you're going to commit to having an email list, just like any marketing strategy, like, you know, anybody can sell you any marketing strategy you want, but if you don't ever do it, it's worthless. It's not worth the five, the whatever you paid for it, right? So it's about doing it consistently. So if you have an email list, decide what's consistent for you. Now that may be once a month. Okay, that's great. If once a week would be awesome. Twice a month, okay, that's good too. Once every six months, not so good because people forget about you. They forget like who is this Rob character? I signed up for his email list. Like, gosh, I don't remember because they they haven't heard from me in so long so you have to show up consistently and because what you when you do that you're adding value to people's lives but also then when you really are ready to make an offer for them it's like to offer them something to buy they're accustomed to getting your emails they're accustomed to seeing them and opening them and reading them and they still might not buy whatever you're selling but at least you know that they're opening your emails and looking at them and there may come a time when they're ready to buy from you so showing up consistently and adding value training 
trains them to be used to hearing from you. And then they're more likely to make a purchase because they feel more like they know you and like you've taken the time to sort of get to know them and the process. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That makes all the sense in the world. It reminds me of, you probably would have heard of Mark Mawinney. He's, he's been emailing daily for three years. And I remember when he first started, I signed up, like when he said, like, I'm going to email daily. Do you still want to be on the list? I went on that list just to see <laughs> because it, it really flew in the face of what you just mentioned that like, oh, I don't want to bother people. Right. And everybody's always worried about coming across as spammy. Mm -hmm. And he really took the other approach. He said, well, the people and he said exactly what you just said. He said the people who sign up for my email list is because they want to hear from me. And when I'm when when you sign up, when you interested in what somebody has to say, like this is not a bother, right? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, and if I go on their nerves, you know, then why should we waste each other's time? Let's just know this after a week, right? <laughs> Rather than boring each other for six months, and yeah. and so. It's just basically filtering the right people in and the wrong people out much quicker. And I'm like, well, that's actually true, isn't it? Right? Yeah. And it becomes yeah. more the email, what the stuff he writes becomes just a lot more conversational. Yep. Right? It's no longer like, oh my God, I have to craft this email. And I've certainly experienced what it's like when you go, Sarah, who? What? I can't even remember what I signed up for, right? Huh? Yeah. And it's not, you know, we're not writing articles for the New York Times here. We're, we're, writing cat, we're writing emails to communicate with our audience. So take the pressure. Give yourself permission to enjoy this part. And, and they don't have to be, you know, I'm going to date myself again with the whole back in the day when we started all this email stuff was we put together e-zines, you know, and all these graphics. And you need to have like a column of this and then that and tips and an article you know, a great reach out could be 300 words and you don't even need graphics. In fact, I wouldn't recommend you use more than one graphic in any email you send because of spam filters and whatnot. But 300 words, I mean, that's, you could talk for five minutes and if you roll it down, that's more than 300 words. So give yourself permission to not make it this perfect being every time you send one. Oh my gosh, I have to spend three hours. I've written great emails in half an hour. I've written great emails that have taken me three. It just depends on what I'm talking about. But take a breath and relax. It's more important to they hear from you and get to know you than you, you stall and stall and make a huge deal and never send the email. Again, the best marketing things are the ones you actually are going to do. They're going <laughs> to. Yes. That's so true. Isn't it? Now is there like now one thing that happens sometimes with people when they are relatively, you know, whatever consistent and they write, and they're very, so there's the sense, and you see it in Facebook groups also, when people find, well, my audience, they love me. But when it comes to actually, when I make an offer, they were, you know, busy, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like that they back off. So yeah, what would you recommend or what's like, what's your take on that? When, how can you basically guide people on that path towards buying your stuff? without um, kind of pouncing on them in that sense pouncing, like, what, yeah. what, what kind of content does it need so that people don't just kind of like you right but then buy from somebody else i think the biggest part of that is knowing what your audience's problem or problems are 
So although you're adding, you know, doing when you're doing content, you know, you're not asking them to buy something, you are addressing the issues that they are having. And if you don't know what those are, ask them. You know, one of the things I try to do in a lot of my casual emails is to have there be a call to action at the end that is just, hey, you know what, did this problem resonate with you? Or did, was this helpful to you? And, you know, not everyone's going to write back, but if you get a handful of responses that say, this was right on the nose, or this didn't really help me, but I'd like to know more about this. So mine your audience for that feedback, because you can't just talk about the things that you want to talk about. You have to talk about what's helpful to your audience. And if you're doing more of that and finding out their problems, and then the thing that you're going to sell them addresses those problems more in depth, that's when you're able to make the really great connection from I'm putting out good content to now these people are going to take it a step further and they're going to buy something. It's all about, you know, in, in, in marketing speak, they call it the customer journey, right? You're showing people where to go. They, they see you, they're aware of you, they join your email list, they start reading stuff, you're helping them, and then you're guiding them to the next step, which is to make a sale. So your content really needs to address what they're struggling with and offer solutions that you're not charging them money for. But then the thing you actually pitch is what's going to take them to the, the next step. Okay, I've got these things now, now I need a little bit more help. I'll, I'll take this program or I'll take this course or I'll, I'll buy this, this um, handout or something like that. So I think that's where it, a lot of people get misaligned is they, they take the casual content and they just talk about too many wild things that are off topic. I mean, you want to have fun with it. You know, I interject weird things that are going on in my life sometimes and I tie it into a marketing lesson or something, but especially in New York, I have a million stories, even riding subway can be fodder for a <laughs> newsletter, but but yeah, tie them together. So, so you're helping people along the way. And then it's like, oh, dang. Yes, of course, I, I need that because that is going to take me even further than where Rob has already gotten me with all this great content I've been consuming. Yeah. And it's, it's again, I think it comes back to trust, right? Because mm -hmm. one is that, uh, you know, that liking, whatever, but there's really that question, can you help me? Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's that, who do I trust with, with my, with my problems? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And that's the hard thing about sometimes, you know, I, I work with people who are like, well, I built this course and I ran some ads on Instagram for you. It's like, really, you know, it's one thing to buy like a t-shirt or something off of Instagram, but are you really going to spend $300 on this class from this person you've never heard of just because you saw an ad on Instagram? Probably not. That's why I encourage people to like, yes, there's a, there's a time and a place for all of those ads. And I am not a paid ad expert. I would not claim to be, but better use for a lot of people starting out is to develop that relationship and then move them to your email list, offer them something of value to sign up for your email and then nurture that relationship there. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. It's like, I always say like ads are a bit like alcohol you know, they just amplify what's already there, you know, and yeah. because it's, again, it's that same thing. And I've seen now, I've spoken to people who go, oh, I need to learn how to do Facebook ads. Why? Well, I've got this health coaching thing, right? And so and I'm like, okay, so who do you already know? Oh, no, no, they're not interested. <laughs> you know, and you think, well, if you, if the people you already, who already trust you aren't going to buy your thing, do you really think, you know, throwing out an ad is going to, no, like, isn't it's the wrong way around. And again, it's, yeah. it doesn't, again, if you do it consciously, then nothing's wrong with it. But if you do it as because you're scared to talk to the people you already know, you know, then we're yeah. back in the fear-based, you know, space. And then you never make your best decisions from there, do you? 
No, no, not at all. And it's so much easier for someone to say, yes, I'll give you, I'll give you money to solve this problem rather than me doing the work of a problem. I mean, like, you know, again, back to our conversation before the, this call, there, there's not an easy answer to everything. Someone can sell you all kinds of solutions, but there's work involved, no matter what they promise you, you're going to have to do the work. And so with you know things like running ads, that's an easy out for people. They're like, oh, I can just set up this graphic and I'll, I'll pay someone to do it and I'll just spend money, spend money, spend money, spend money, spend money. Really, when their better use of their time would be to find people to potentially partner with, like, who do you know that is serving your people in a different way? How can you guys partner together? Can you do a Facebook live? Can you mail to each other's lists? Can you, you know, jump on someone's like they're teaching? Can you get in and teach with them and help them out? help them lift out what they've got going on. And that's a way better use of your time and resources than, especially when you're starting out, just to spend money, just, you know, cause you can spend it. I'm sure, you know, you can spend it like wildfire uh, because everything sounds so good. It's like, Ooh, look at all these choices I have and things I could buy to help my business. It's like, yep. and remember all come with work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's not, it's not your easy that's the thing. At some point, you're going to have to close the books and start doing something. So exactly, about exactly. doing something, what's on the horizon for you? So right now, I am actually having a grand old time uh, doing what I just said I was told people to do is I'm trying to work with other people who need content and just offering myself as a resource to sort of make more connections in the world, you know, with COVID going on, I'm not going to networking events. I'm not going to live events in person. So I'm reaching out to people that I know, people through friends of friends and just saying, Hey, what do you need? How can I be of service to you? And that is an enormous amount of fun for me because I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to see what I can help you with. So, and along that lines, I'm sure at some point I'll be back to selling because my bank account will run out of money, but I am really trying to focus on getting people to write, do more writing. That is such a a difficult thing for so many people are scared of writing. You know, I'm not good at it. I'm going to make up a bunch of excuses. I don't have time, yada, yada. And there are so many ways you can produce emails every week that don't involve a lot of writing. I mean, even just if you're terrible at writing, but I'm sure you have lots of things to say, you know, record it, have somebody transcribe it. Or there are a couple of services that will do auto transcriptions from audio and you can then clean it up afterwards. Like, Find a way to produce the written content, even if you think you're not good at writing, because really, you're not as bad as you think you are. And if you are that bad, then send it to a friend who can proofread it for you. If your grammar is not your thing, if you don't know what two, two, and two, which which one to use, great, have somebody help you. That's a better use of your time and your money than you know spending it on advertising if you're trying to build a list, I think, especially if you're just starting out. Yeah. That so makes, that's for me. Yes, that makes writing. all the sense in the world. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, those connections, I think there's always, it always comes back to you, right? I, I don't think that generosity is ever wasted or it's never, you know, a waste of time. So I think mm -hmm. it, it, it'll always come back an opportunity and, you know, somebody recommending and somebody putting to in touch with somebody and you never know. So it's always, yeah. so talking about connecting how can people <laughs> connect with you and find out more about your work um so you can go to my website it's just my first and last name rob48.com and through there you can find links to uh, me on facebook instagram and uh, linkedin and also if you want some more guidance in writing if you're having trouble struggling with that you can i can give you some free templates and if you go to nurture 
nurtureemailtemplates.com. That's nurtureemailtemplates.com. You can just download my five templates and some, they go from really easy, like I have to write three sentences to, okay, here's a little more complicated, but it gives you some structure to sort of plug and play things to create emails on a consistent basis and take the thinking about like, oh, how am I going to organize this? So I just, I'd like to give that to people because it gives them some, a jumpstart way to just get going. So those are ways to find me. So reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's very generous. That's, that's definitely worth downloading. It sounds interesting. So, so <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. It was fascinating and I shall see more of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you leave a review, I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like some support building or growing your business, especially if you have a tech monster to tame, go to ankeherman.com. That's A-N-K-E-H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N.com to find out how I can help you do that.